Today's sponsor is Stamps.com. Avoid trips to the post office. Use Stamps.com to buy and print official U.S. postage right from your computer. Go to Stamps.com to sign up for a special offer. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in decode. Today is also sponsored by Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me best as Yahoo's Wicked Witch of the North, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you are listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about Silicon Valley's key players, big ideas, and how they are changing the world we live in. Today, we have someone who has been in the red chair many times before. When the disturbingly attractive Dick Costello joined us at the Code Conference last May, he was still the CEO of Twitter. A couple weeks later, he stepped down from that role, and he's here today to talk about everything that's been going on since then. Welcome, Dick. All right, Dick wanted to read his own intro because he likes to, you're you're an actor, Dick. Well, this whole setup with the the microphone and the headphones and everything. Are you feeling this American life right now? It feels very like midnight DJ to me. Oh, me Oh, hello. Hello, (laughs) the the quiet storm. Yes, that was BB King, the thrill is gone. Okay. You'll be good. That was a good voice. Yeah. I can do that. You can do that. All right. Finally, we know what's next. I know, exactly. We're going to get to that at the end of this come. But first, I, I I would be remiss if I didn't ask about Twitter. Um, about how it feels after you've left, where you think the company is, uh, how you're looking at Jack Dorsey, your your replicant. <laughs> how, I'm lo- how I'm looking at him? <laughs> no, how you are considering his his. Uh, how name. are you looking? Why are you looking at Jack that way? <laughs> um. All right, get on with it. All right, um, it's um, well, you know, I'm of two minds. I have um, so many friends there in the company. Um, on the leadership team and really throughout the organization around the world. And I miss them deeply. I, I think about uh, think about them all the time. I try to keep up with them. But, you know, it's hard when you're not there day to day with all of them. And I loved working with them and I loved building that company with them. Um, uh, on the other hand, I think Jack is, I think, the world of Jack. You know, he and I have developed a great relationship over the past few years. Um, no one thinks more intuitively about product than than he does. I just think he's... Uh, um, eloquent, 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 rather, unlike myself. Eloquent. Eloquent. Eloquent, yeah. He's eloquent uh-huh. in the way he thinks about it. He's Articulate. simple and direct in the way he thinks about it. Yes, he pronounces words correctly, uh, unlike his predecessor. Um, uh, so I, I think the world of the guy, and I think he's great for Twitter. What do you think in the, why Twitter got so much coverage? What do you think happens? You, you got an enormous amount of coverage given the size of it and other well, things. Well, the... the the influencers on the platform are the um, a lot of the people who are covering the space. And so you've got people who uh, think of Twitter as the platform they use every day to talk about what's going on in the world. And those are the people in – a lot of those people are in the media space. And that's where they go to talk about <laughs> what's going on in the, in the media world. So it's sort of this recursive uh, recursive. A thing you've got happening there with the platform. Do you think they people got anything wrong? I think that's wrong? great, by the way. Yeah, it is great, but then it, you get enormous scrutiny. Of course, that, but that's all. It wasn't like that started at some point, and we were right. thinking, "What? Right. Where did that come right. from?" Right, exactly. I mean, it was been like that since certainly before I started in two thousand, late two thousand nine. It was like that. Is there anything people got wrong? You think the story there? Oh, I think. Look, I think um, I'll say two things about it. One. Um, 
you can't worry about what people are saying about you or whether they got this right or wrong about yourself. I, I always thought more about the company. Right. And Even the always, company, though. I was focused more on people inside the company and our goals and objectives and everything. Um, so I didn't really worry about that other that other stuff. But anyone who's been in a, a role of running a company or um, – um, in, in the public eye knows that some of the stuff that's out there is absolutely spot on and some of the stuff that's out there is complete nonsense. I mean, there were, of course, as you can imagine, um, things you would read in the press on a regular basis that were, yeah, they got that uh, pretty correct. That's, you know, that's good. And other things that you'd think like, where in the world did that come from? It couldn't mm -hmm. be more uh, different than that. <laughs> Any specific? No, I mean, that's I'm um, just to pick something at random. Um, You'd wake up in the morning and see these reports, these very specific reports about so-and-so is going to acquire Twitter. And, you know, it would be an organization, you know, you might not have had a con even a conversation with about some random partnership for three months. Mm -hmm. And usually those things would happen if you were having a partnership conversation or if you happen to be out to dinner with someone right, and someone right. at the table next to you is from the other company and right. someone would write some report. You know, I think, these, think there's an acquisition happening. These things would show up in the press when... Not even something like that had happened in the recent past. So, what do you see Twitter as going forward? What do you What do you see? Is it continues to be the social communications platform? The the uh, what? I think the uh, Jack has um, summed it up eloquently. Eloquently, okay. <laughs> Let's just make that a eloquently. new uh, elegant. Can we just do it's that? Elegant and eloquent. All eloquent. At once. Exactly. It's Elo kind of a it's an elegant eloquence. Thank you. Um, and um, it, Twitter gives uh, even the smallest voices in the world a microphone. Um, and that's enormously helpful as you think about the future of, of global media and global communications. And um, as the company continues to take advantage of that, I think there's, as we all can see, there's a huge opportunity there. And is there anything you would have liked to have redone better? I mean, I think about things I've done wrong all the time. Of course. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Um, look, as you, as you reported and we discussed at, um, at Code that year, um, the, the following year, I think, um, we were trying to acquire Instagram, um, mm -hmm. and then six win, and I was unsuccessful. I was unsuccessful, mm -hmm. um, you know, convincing Kevin and Mike to even around do that. the fire, even around. And then um, you six had that weeks nice fire. We had fire that nice pit fire. Meeting. Fire pit meeting. Weren't you at some fire pit meeting? I don't remember the fire yeah. pit meeting. Yeah. Um, but you know, six weeks, seven weeks later, Mark uh, and 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 uh, Facebook did, and you know, of course. Even at the time, I was uh, I thought you know ah oh, that's really you know that's that's um, unfortunate and mm -hmm. you know good for Mark mm -hmm. and and of course worked out well for uh, right. Kevin and Mike and the whole Instagram right, team absolutely. too. Absolutely, yeah, that was a great property. It was absolutely great. Of property. course, um, so you know those things you wish certainly wish had uh, six weeks earlier wish we'd been able to do that. Uh, anything else? As as a manager, Just constantly, is, yeah. I mean, and anyone who one of the things is good. A lot you of know, one of my favorite. I'll say I'll say one of my you know. I remember as you start your first company and you have these conversations with other entrepreneurs and CEOs and you ask them how it's going, they always say it's going fantastic. Right. How's it, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And you think, oh, man, why is it so – why is it going so well for everybody else and this is so hard right. for me? It's just the – there are things constantly going on and then you, re you, you think back on things and realize oh, I should have done that differently. I would say that the one thing that um, in hindsight I, I think about is – I tended not to pay attention to the stories about me in the press because I would always tell the team, right. look, don't focus on the noise externally. Right. Um, and I had told them that long before we were, we were public. 
Right. We have to focus on our goals and objectives internally. The challenge is by, by really paying no attention to that stuff and ignoring it, of course, all your competitors are having the recruiters uh, call engineers and others who are thinking of coming to Twitter and saying, look, it, you know, so-and-so is on CNBC this morning mm-hmm. and says Dick might not even be there in a year. And, right. uh, you know, by ignoring that, I think that probably made recruiting tougher for us. So right, right. it would pay more attention to how you deal with that stuff uh, next Sh- time. Should you have done more around Chris Saka, who did have an impact? I know you all say you didn't, but he absolutely did. I, I don't – I don't just – you can't focus on the things that are happening around and outside the company that – um, that aren't that aren't um, within your control. driving toward your objectives and goals or within your control. Right. Chris is a, um, a very high profile um, investor in the company and other companies, and uh, you know uh, that that he has, he has, opinions. has a, opinions about the kinds of things that he thinks the company should do, and he's been very clear about those. Right, right, absolutely. I mean, I don't know what good it would do to engage. Uh, well, uh, I wouldn't even say the word engage. It doesn't do um, the company any good, anyone in the company, me or anyone else, to comment comment on it. All right, finishing up with Twitter. It's not um, in service to the goals and objectives of the things that, that the company needs to be working on. Right, finishing up with Twitter, what do you um, imagine – it, it, do you imagine it going to China? What big? Do you see big changes for the platform, or does it ultimately? I think that China will continue to um, block um, these platforms. Uh, you know, Facebook, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, right. etc. Um, and I don't see that. Why is that? Because um, it's not in their interest. Well, the short answer is, yeah. Um, I think that um, WeChat is enormously successful there, as are uh, a few other platforms, and the government there has the ability to make sure that right. uh, things aren't set on those platforms that they don't care for. Um, and I think that they would be deeply concerned about um, inviting platforms where they would have a harder time controlling that mm-hmm. into the into the country. So when you think about what's going on in the world now with Paris, and obviously Twitter was a big People were communicating over it, and it's always been that way, whatever the crisis happens to be. And I remember in Turkey, they were targeting you at one point, correct? Or there was at one point you said you have people. Well, Twitter at- was we were um, we were turned off in Turkey right. um, a couple times, um, and uh, and we're you know through the really impressive work of um, our our GC Vijagade and the and the um, policy team inside Twitter, two different teams the time um, we were able to get get reactivated there. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's an ongoing challenge in a number of places. As you know, there are countries now that have passed um, laws about where the data about Mm -hmm. users has to be stored, Russia, for example. Um, And I think there's going to be more and more of that. And the geopolitical complexities for these companies is going to uh, only uh, only grow. Well, what do you imagine? There's a lot there was a lot of pushback about encryption and different information and I know Twitter's been actually quite bold with the government on these issues. How do they I mean most of Apple has been very vocal about it, Google's been vocal about it, Twitter has been way out front on these government requests. How do you look at the scene now in the wake of these uh, protests? I, I think that what people should understand is that the um, the folks running these companies and others, the ones you just mentioned and more, are thoughtful about and um, and well, I guess I'd use that word. They're thoughtful about um, the right balance um, between um, adhering to the laws and abiding by the laws of the countries in which they operate and uh, privacy and, and on and on. And there are lots of ongoing conversations about all that. So I don't think it's as black or white as people may may perceive it to be in the press as these companies are against X and the government is for X and right. it's one versus the other. But there's certainly much legislation coming after. I understand the- that. And, and I'm just, just saying um, – 
the companies are already very thoughtful about uh, about about these issues and trying to strike the right balance there. Do you imagine that there will be more government intervention in all these social media well, services? Well, the thing you always worry about in uh, instances of government intervention or regulation are always are all the unintended consequences. You know, you pass some regulation that is designed to address what happened in this particular case in the recent past, and then it ends up uh, making more difficult what the different ways these platforms are used or intended to be used in the future. So uh, I just um, would be hard-pressed or someone would have to show me, you know, several cases where um, – it's better because uh, this regulation has been put in place. I just, right. I know there are people are on both sides of that issue. I'm just, I'm much more. Um, as long as the companies are as thoughtful as they are, and look, I'm, I realize I'm operating from a standpoint of understanding exactly how thoughtful the team and the companies are being about this stuff, and other people aren't, um, and so they have to guess at it. And in that world, you may have a different opinion. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more pressure on. We're going to take a quick advertising break, and then we're going to talk about what you're doing. And also about what you're going to do next in one second. All right. With the holidays almost here, you probably have even less time now than ever to go to the post office. Traffic is crazy. Parking is limited. And the post office will be packed with your entire city trying to mail gifts and packages at once. Well, the good news is that anything you can do at the post office, you can do right from your desk with stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any package or letter using your own computer or printer the instant you need it. Right now, sign up for Stamps.com and use the promo code DECODE for this special offer, a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus, including postage and a digital scale. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in DECODE. It's that simple. Go to Stamps.com, use the promo code DECODE to get started today. My gift is not coming in the mail. You're going to bring the hand over it to me? Yes. <laughs> um what am I going to do next? I'm going to start a company in the spring, um, and uh, I'm what, also like a, what? A, well, a I would just company? say no, what? no, no. no. Um, I'm going to try to bring software to a space. I would call it that um, hasn't traditionally leveraged software. I'll call it the personal wellness space, but that doesn't uh, give you much detail or no, any, any clarity. But that's fine. Um, I'm going to I'm going to do something that's why space that? In spring. Why why is that? Uh, just because I have a specific idea. Um, around this space that I think could um, benefit massively from software being brought to bear there. So that's what I'm going to try to do. All right. And, and you- I'm also, I've gotten a little bit of the bug um, mm-hmm. by being down in um, LA Hollywood. working on Silicon Valley. So I've got a couple things that I'm uh, starting on. This is the HBO on. show. That, sorry. Yes. Um, I was a consultant, not a writer, but a consultant for uh, the HBO show Silicon mm-hmm. Valley yes, um, we wrote about for that. just the past few months. It was just down there. It was a couple days a week. I was down there on Mondays and Tuesdays around the writer's table while uh, while we were putting the um, episodes together. And it was mostly just, you know, hey, Dick, when when a CEO is talking to their lead investor about X, you know, yeah. does the conversation go like this or what does that look like? Right? Also, and, what kind of kombucha do they have there and things like <laughs> right. that? Very specific, important questions for, right. the, for the script. Did you um, have a kombucha chef at Twitter, or it was yeah, just we didn't, shakes we do, and was that Precisely, those exactly. kinds of questions. Yeah, um, they, what do, why do you think that show works so well? It's, it's not just so, popular So, you know what, it's among. funny you ask me that. So, so first of all, people were, um, it was written, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing for the show. Again, it was mostly consulting. I did, I pitched a couple things here and there as I, you know, as I, as I got more and more confident in the room. And I think, I've, as I told you before, I have a very low hit rate, but there mm-hmm. might be one or two things that survive um, that will actually be in the show. But um, I think the reason it works is 
Alec and Mike, Alec Berg and, and Mike Judge, um, who I just think the world of. Um, Alec's the showrunner and executive producer, and Mike's, you know, the uh, co-creator and, ex- and executive producer. I just think are comedy geniuses. And they have this ability to write on a level that's pitch perfect for the industry mm-hmm. so that we sit here in Silicon Valley and watch it and think, wow, that's so spot on. Mm-hmm. And yet it also works for people who don't know anything about the industry in other parts of the country or other parts of the world where these characters just work and the relationships between them just work. And the ability to have something that nails it, you know, for folks in the industry and works on another level for everybody else is, um, I think, extraordinary. And you can hear them in the room as they think through, you know, is that too inside baseball um, and will it really work on this level? Um, I just think is is fascinating to listen to. And what? Why, what is your favorite character on that show? Do you have a favorite character? Oh, they're all, I mean, uh, I'm trying to decide. I don't know whether to do the character names or the, I'll do the character names. Um, Ehrlich is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, his just, uh, his presence is amazing when he's when he's in the scene. Um, Dinesh and Guilfoyle are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the relationship between those two as engineers is great. Mm-hmm. But the uh, these sort of... Um, Side characters. These, you know, additional characters like um, like Russ and Laurie, the VC. Yeah, and, the Mark Cuban um, character. And Jin Yang. Yeah. And they're just they're just exceptional. And their ability and the writer's ability to capture tone of voice for those folks. Mm-hmm. But then the actor's ability is to elevate them is remarkable. I remember reading a couple of the scripts before we would go into the table read. And thinking, for example, wow, segment A is really funny. Segment B is a little flat, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not as funny. And then during the read, hearing the actors be able to, wow, now segment B is even funnier because mm-hmm. of the energy and the, and the, you know, tone of voice and improvisation that the characters brought to that particular piece. Uh, that's a great combination. Why do you imagine it's been such a hit? I mean, most Silicon Valley shows have not been hits. Most tech shows have fallen flat. A lot of the reality shows have. Because I think Richard, the CEO, is mm-hmm. a noble character. Uh-huh. He's trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And yet there are all these other forces at work that are like seemingly insane and trying mm-hmm. to, you know, knock him off the off the right path. And uh, you've got this set of noble characters, the the, the company led by Richard, uh, that wants to do things the right way and is trying to um, go about things in a noble manner. And I think people love that, and they want to see him win, and they want to um, they appreciate the struggles he and the team are going through, mm-hmm. and that's fun to watch. And do you do you think it's, it's a lot of things that are by the funny. way I might be totally wrong, right? I, you know, <laughs> that's you're asking you me think. this, and I'm giving you my right. my so, strong but opinion. But one of the things I that's interesting no is they do they do nail certain aspects of Silicon Valley that yeah. aren't funny in real life, but are funny when you put it on a, on the screen. But it does it sort of gets to the arrogance and the puffery around Silicon Valley. It gets to the idea of of people taking themselves too seriously and just ridiculous. Kind of, it is couldn't so agree close. With you more. It is so could, close. I couldn't to agree with that know. more. It gets that. Um, the show does a great job of this. Um, there's a there's a real you know, in Silicon Valley, too many times perception is reality, and um, the show just does a great job of skewering. We'll talk that. about that perception is reality in Silicon Valley. I just think that you know things are declared to be the case, and then that becomes the truth um, instead of well, is that really what's happening or uh, the result? And this is. This is true, not just in Silicon Valley, but elsewhere. The results drive the narrative. In other words, uh, some out some outcome that in advance was probabilistic—it might work, it might not work—comes mm-hmm. true and and works. 
And then the narrative becomes, that was always going to work because X, Y, Z. Well, mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily always going to work. In fact, mm -hmm. the outcome was probabilistic. That could be, um, and, and that goes for, for everything. So in that way, what does it mean we just take ourselves too seriously or is there too, um, it's just a, an echo chamber or what? I think there's, I think it's a combination of those things. And um, I guess I would add that um, one result um, ends up meaning all these other things. Like because mm -hmm. this worked financially for this um, company, that means that these eight people are also really, really smart and much smarter than everybody else in mm -hmm. these ways. And I just don't think that's necessarily true. A lot of times you're, a lot of times you're just lucky or most of the time, it's a combination of skill and luck and lots mm -hmm. of other factors. And it doesn't mean that this myth is now uh, the absolute truth. So how do you look at Silicon Valley right now? What period are we in? We're always in cycles. We're always in, I'm not going to ask you a bubble question necessarily, but where, where are, where is, it's getting kind of old, Silicon Valley, as a, as a group of people. Um, it's, things have progressed. People have become billionaires, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Things have progressed. And we're in the 20th year of this at this point. Um, I think that, uh, first of all, going back to exactly what I just said, mm -hmm. I'm hesitant to create a narrative that say, you know, because this happened, we're now in uh, this specific right. kind of period in the past. I don't think the world works. I'm, that I'm way. more thinking, how do you keep yeah. it fresh in 20 years in? It's not a young industry. Still, there's so many places that software. I do think that um, there's so many places that software hasn't yet been brought to bear mm -hmm. to uh, benefit um, customers or people of the world. I do think there's a, probably an overemphasis on um, things like um, because Uber and Airbnb are working, that means the sharing economy for X is the next thing we have right, to go do. Right. Those things X. tend to be, as you know, I'm not saying anything everyone else hasn't said, but those things tend to be not the best new ideas. Um, so it would be, you know, I don't, I don't hear a lot of pitches because I'm not a big investor, but I, I'm not yet hearing the, oh, wow, that's a really – completely different idea. You're mm -hmm. hearing a lot of, this is the new for, you know, this is the Uber for X, or this is the, you know, Airbnb for X, or whatever the, whatever the successful thing is for X. Those are never great times. So I'm hoping that sort of washes out in the near future. So fresher ideas. Fresh new ideas. Fresh new ideas. Those may very well be out there. And I'm just not in the mix. Not in the mix? Say. Are you not in the mix? I'm not in the mix. You know, yeah. I wake up now in the morning, I have a couple of vodka tonics, take a nap, uh -huh, and then, uh -huh. uh, you know. <laughs> you did that before, though, I think. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's been, that's been that's a good been 10, your regular years, right, Twitter you know. CEO well, was, diet, you know, right? Before it was just, you know, one and a half. Okay. All right. We're really going to come back after during the a break. We're going to talk about what you're going to do and uh, where you hope to, to – how you stay fresh in your career, Dick Costello. That's possible. You're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read. Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries audiobooks in every genre imaginable. Business, classics, history, self-development, just to name a few. Dick, what should I listen to? Do you have any I prefer the um, the um, 
recordings of the Dr. Seuss books. Okay, because... One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Yes, I, and, I have uh, selected Oh, the some places you'll go? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then uh, and I would, at the top of the list, Horton Hears a Who. Horton Hears a Who. That is a... It's a pretty challenging... There's a lot of... Like actually, me. there's a lot of business wisdom in there. Oh, is there? Yeah. Is there? <laughs> I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. If more, if more people adhered to that simple rule from Horton Hears a Who, we'd probably be in Fantastic. a better place. Fantastic. I will get it as immediately. As a nation... And as Americans. Okay, thank you very much, President uh, Costello. <laughs> Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash decode and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash decode. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. All right, uh, in the genre of Dr. Seuss, um, what place are you going to go? Oh, that was a smooth, See? smooth transition. See? Yeah, well done. It was either either that or something to do with that was the, an excellent the segue. egg and ham one. <laughs> excellent segue. So, what you've got a lot of free time. <laughs> I'm going to get right on that too. Now that you're washed up, you've got a lot of free time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Washed up. It's washed over up. for me. It's over. Done. I mean, so, you've so been young, an entrepreneur. Though, too. I have so much entrepreneur, left. as Ron yes. Conway likes right. to say, <laughs> uh, for a long time. I mean, how do you? Yeah. What do you? What are you going to do to keep it fresh? What are you going to, I mean, besides starting this company, how do you look at your next phase um, of your career? I don't want to do something that I feel like I've done before. So mm-hmm. the next thing I do is not going to be, you know, I've started um, several consumer internet uh, companies and then was so you're going to Twitter. enterprise now, right? No, you take not going, on Larry not Ellison. Going to, I'm not going to enterprise, but I want to do something that's really in a different space. And um, that's one of the things that, that's gotten me so interested in. Um, Getting back into the entertainment field and uh, both doing the consulting work on Silicon Valley, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do a couple more of those. Do you want to get on stage again? More. You were, as people may or may not know, you were a performer. I'm probably gonna be more on the writing, writing and producing side. Um, uh-huh. I've got a couple things I'm interested in doing down there that I'm excited about and uh-huh. um, want to spend some time writing. So we'll Silicon see how Valley that goes. Silicon Valley, the movie or what? <laughs> well, I think that Alec and Mike would have a problem with that. Yeah. If I said, "Hey, I have a great idea." Uh-huh. From movie <laughs> called that's Silicon. your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think I'll do. Is that. it in the same area in tech area, or would you? No, 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 no. Are you doing like Star Wars? Um, no, part. it's not Star Wars. It's co- going back to comedy, but on the on the writing side. But again, you don't want to perform. Why is that? Do, do you ever well, lose that feeling? No, I mean you're making it sound like I'm have like stage fright or something. No, I, I like performing. Afraid, and I love right? performing. I wanna, I'd just, like to see you. I on just stage. don't think that I. I don't think that that's in the you know near near future for me. No, it's just I'm more interested in doing some of the writings. Interested in doing some of the writing stuff. All right, so Hollywood and entertainment, and then I would say the overlay between between you know entertainment and technology, and then starting this company in the spring. And until then, um, you know, um, uh, just doing some new things. Boxing. I started boxing a couple times a week. You told me this over lunch. Yeah. It's boxing. fun. I love the boxing. I think we should go mano a mano in the ring. <laughs> really? Yes. Really? Yes, I kick your ass. <laughs> that, I was going to say. I was yeah. going to say the problem was you would kick my ass, it and then would. it would be that would be like now I can't the narrative. box. Now I can't box anymore, right? Because exactly. I would see that in what, my what mind. Do you, what do you every like? time I went into the? <laughs> I was just like, ah, oh, the right hell was. She beat me up. <laughs> yeah, but no one would be surprised. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> so. Um, why do you box? What, what's the? It's you, were, fun. you were into so CrossFit. All, you were Mister. Yeah, you and a bunch and of them. Down mountain and, biking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fun thing about boxing is it's extraordinarily hard. Uh-huh. It's really. Um, um, I mean, I'm going to say something and people are going to roll their eyes, but it's really an art form. You have to. You have to really think and and uh, be moving correctly at the same time. For example, as one silly example, when you back up in boxing. 
You don't back up with the way you would normally back up by taking your front foot and moving it backward. You have to back up with your back foot so you don't get mm -hmm. off, knocked off balance and, and, and hit in the face. Um, so just that kind of the, the, the art form of it and the, uh, and the physicality of it are fun. And then, of course, you know, um, hitting the bag, hitting the heavy bag with the, uh, you know, a right cross as hardy as you can is Who enormously satisfying. Who do you see there? You know, all manner of images. Come on, Come on all manner of images. Usually, you know, my, my second grade math teacher, but uh -huh. other people I pop to mind. I bet there's some other people there, but you're being polite, aren't you? Silence from Dick Casa. For once, um, so so boxing, uh, you know, excessive drinking, um, napping. I'm assuming goes in there too. No napping. No napping. I'm not a napping person. If yeah. I lie down to try to take a nap, my mind starts racing. Does it? Like Does it? I should do this. I should do that. Here's this other thing I could do, etc. If you were a young entrepreneur, not to say that you're, <laughs> but I mean, what would, would Assume you for if, a moment that, you that were, you're not, not old. old and boring? Yeah. Uh, what no. was there anything you would do like from? You could do it at any time, but if you were starting out, if you, we, a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this. What would you advise them? I think that people worry too much about um, in the beginning about whether the idea is this is this huge idea and the right idea and and uh, et cetera. And the reality is some of the biggest um, ideas in the world turn uh, start out as, you know, I see this problem that seems to be um, an interesting problem and something I'm super passionate about. It may not be the very biggest problem in the world. Mm -hmm. And those things are, are end up being frequently the things that are disruptive because they operate on the fringes of some industry and they change that fringe piece of the industry in some important way. And then they eat into mm -hmm. um, the larger part of the industry. So I would encourage entrepreneurs to not worry so much about whether they're attacking and uh, going after uh, the biggest part of the market right away on day one, uh, but doing something that they think is important and an interesting disruption around um, a segment of an industry and uh, the total market size stuff can come later. So that may be contrary to the way some people advise entrepreneurs, but uh, I think those kinds problem. of businesses can be enormously successful and 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 are um, you know I think I would argue that Netflix started out that way. But right, yeah, that's true. Um, where do you imagine tech going in a big way? I mean, is, are there big directions you see as important trends? Well, I, know I you're not tend a to think more about the media space. Um, All right, media. And I think that the interesting thing about the media space is that there are going to be there are now all these new um, storytelling. Um, mechanisms. Um, I think um, Evan at Snapchat um, captured that nicely with um, live stories and and you know and, uh, individual stories. No, not no, I'm speaking no, this is just about the, the live stories, right, the live stories. Um, um, Vine, and not the Periscope. and not particularly Discover. Um, and I think that space um, of native mobile storytelling, Periscope, Vine, um, stitching those kinds of things together. Um, Snapchat are really interesting and going to create um, lots of business opportunities for creators, for content creators, and these platforms. Mm -hmm. and, and viable businesses or that they're... Yeah, absolutely. I think that those are going to be um, enormously successful What businesses. loses in that paradigm? Uh, um, regular entertainment? Well, or do I you think, think that it still cuts into um, the other kinds of storytelling that people consume. Right. Um, I don't necessarily think of it as it means that this kind of platform is going to lose. I think that people for the for a long time made the mistake of saying, well, that means it's over for television because 
people are now on their you know phones, and of course we're uh, as many would argue in the sort of greatest um, period of um, the best content on television right. that we've ever been right. in. Right. It's just not the same linear programming. Let me finish by asking you one more question about where, what you, who you think right now is sort of the most interesting big company and perhaps the most interesting small company, something that you saw just recently that was uh, – right now, the big company, is there anyone you think is dominant or is it – I always or? think that what uh, Jeff Bezos and Reed Hastings are doing is, um, is exceptional. And I just think that those two are uh, – they take big risks – um, they're not afraid to take those risks. Um, they think far outside the boundaries of um, what's likely to come next for them or their companies. Um, and I just think the world of those two. Okay. And then I think that, but but of course, lots of people in Silicon Valley would come on and say that. Mm-hmm. I think that the company that um, I think has been doing a tremendous job over the past few years and is probably even a bigger opportunity than maybe even its uh, bullish investors think um, is is uh, Activision, Bobby Kotick's oh, Activision. Huh. Um, and I just think that Bobby is, um, you know, Bobby is. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna I'm laughing because I was about to say, you know, Bobby's a lot like me, and Bobby's yeah. probably thinking like, no, no, not really at all, <laughs> and in so many ways. But I'm what I'm what I was, what I was gonna. Well, you don't take that supermodels, way. Well, right? That's his no, job. No, Bobby's like, you know, he's very, he's extremely funny. Mm-hmm. Um, he's extraordinarily funny and he's disarmingly funny. He is. And so you listen to him speak and you think, well, Bobby's, you know, for, especially if you're listening to her the first or second time, you think, well, Bobby's silly and, yeah. you know, he's funny, but he's silly. A nice boy from Long Island. A nice, nice boy from Long Island. And um, you don't realize what a um, business intellect um is beneath that. Um, and uh, I think that that company is a company to be taken very seriously and paid very close attention to in the coming years because of the kinds of capabilities th- that he's going to be able to bring to bear um, that you're seeing in other spaces right now um, with things like um, electron, you know, e-games and um, e-games filling stadiums of people who are watching um, performers or, sorry, participants in these in these games. And there's just an enormous world of opportunities there, I think, for, for video games. That was eloquent. Thank no, you. No, no, eloquent. What is it? Ele- eloquent. Eloquent. Elegant Wait, ele- and eloquent. 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 All right, so we're going to be seeing more from Dick Oslo? <laughs> you personally? Yeah. Or just the world? Well, I hope not. But no, yes, um, I do. No. So I'm going to be out there in the world more. I'm going to try to get up earlier and mm-hmm. cut back on the cut, cut back on the morning. And drinking. you're you're on some boards now. You're not doing investing though, correct? Um, I'm I'm, I'm not really doing um, much investing at all. I've done just a kind of a some things that friends have done here and there. Um, and yes, I've just recently and, and similarly to the way I think about investing, just kind of doing a thing here and there that friends are doing. Um, uh, two people that I think the world of, um, just personally, uh, Jack Conti and uh, Trevor Train at um, at Patreon, and if only have, have uh, joined their boards. Uh huh. And this is a calmer board, then, right? Well, I think that these are um, companies that are where you've got um, uh, people running them. That um, first of all, I just think the world of personally. I think they're good people. I think they're nice people. That's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, who want to do the right thing? If only. Um, donates a frankly extraordinary amount of the uh, uh, money it brings into charity, which I think is fantastic. Um, Trevor's been great about developing um, female leaders in his company. Uh, three quarters of his um, 
uh, leadership of his VPs are, are women. And then Jack Conti at Patreon is that's a world I, you know, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, content Patreon creators have a pa- content creators have a hard time, you know, making a living and musicians and uh, everything from musicians to web comics, et cetera. And Patreon gives a, a platform for exactly those people, patrons, mm-hmm. of, patrons of the arts to be able to contribute to those content creators and help them make a better living. Interesting. Very last question because you brought it up and I forgot to ask you I about did. diversity. I don't remember what I brought yes, up. Yes, diversity. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you guys got smacked around for the board. You did bring on a woman to the board. And I know a lot of people p- feel like People pay lip service to the issue, but it's a big issue at Twitter. It's a big issue throughout Silicon Valley. How do you? Well, I think when uh, this is a, such a, I, a lo- we could talk a whole, about yes. this for such a long yeah. time. And one of the challenges around it you just touched on is that, um, and one of the things that really I, w- I would say, to be perfectly frank, bu- bugged me was you would see um, um, a lot of men coming in and. Um, almost patronizing or paying lip service to um, uh, the importance of diversity without really doing anything about it. And that always, that just always kind of bothered me. And it it bubbles up every, you know, whenever there's something in the media about it. When in reality, um, the hard work is, and the real work is in um, developing female leaders inside these companies, um, providing women coming into the companies with mentors inside the company, helping them to be better leaders, and then working tirelessly to try to figure out how to eradicate these um, these unconscious biases I, you know, I that hate exist. That word. Inside, I think they're that? conscious. I think they're conscious. Well, okay. Call, we talked about it over Sorry. lunch. Calling we, talked about, we talked about this. Right. There are both, I mean, this, this is, again, goes to the, you say unconscious biases, and then someone jumps on you for saying, well, some of them well, are conscious. Well, it's only because... I agree. No, I, I agree with you that some of them are conscious. But um, I was having a co- specific conversation with um, one of the um, women in my company who was concerned about the way um, women in the company, company were evaluated um, because at a previous job she'd had, where she was a manager, um, her boss uh, said her communication style was aggressive. Right. And, you know, how many men inside the company get, hey, you have an aggressive communication style. Well, right. let's call, you know, they call that something else, like he's being, you know, st- strong leader. Um, and I think those things are important to, mm-hmm. to highlight to people and point out that you're not going to tolerate that kind of right. way of speaking about um, 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 uh, one gender or another. The the trouble is when you look at the data, um, and I spent a bunch of time um, doing this at Twitter with a, a few folks in my HR department, at, well, so your, your first inclination is then to say, well, we should talk about these unconscious biases mm-hmm. then because then people will be cognizant of them. They won't do them mm-hmm. any, anymore. The reality is that you see little impact across companies as to you know whether they talk about unconscious biases and and make that a hey we're going to make this a priority or they don't so okay well if that's not helping what are other things you can do and I thought that the the thing that was most important to me was that the women coming into the company had m- mentors inside the company knew that they could be vocal about um, um, any issues or or concerns they had about things that they saw being handled incorrectly. And that the women leaders in the company were really being supported and engaged and uh, uh, and helped, um, and it's just that needs just that needs to continue. Is it fixable, or is this sort of a uh, it's totally dude fix- culture? No, it's totally fixable. Um, I think that people, 
again, I, you know, you, you could, you're going to be able to beat me up for just making this sort of blanket statement. But I think that um, sometimes I'd say that men leaders in the industry get too much credit for paying lip service to this. Um, and that the real work is the day-to-day behind-the-scenes work that needs to be reinforced and, and uh, supported, um, and there needs to be a lot more of that. Okay. Well, that's a serious topic. You had a joke for me at the end? I don't have a joke for you, you don't at the have end a joke that. For No, me? that would be bad form, I think. I think your communication style is aggressive, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I always enjoy talking to Dick Costo. Dick, thank you for coming on. Yeah, happy to be to here. Rico Thanks for having Decode. me. And thank you for helping me with that ad. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're, you have a nice job in performance. I'm telling you, I think you should have a show. Okay, let's make it happen. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot, Dick. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Catch up on previous episodes and be the first to listen to future episodes, including our special edition shows where Peter Kafka interviews the media world's most influential people, all on recode.net slash decode. One of the best ways to support our show is to help us improve. And all you have to do is to tell us a little bit about yourself. Take a short three-minute survey at recode.net slash podcast survey and help us by sharing your opinions on this show and how you listen to the podcast in general. Tell us how you really feel. The better we know you, the better the show can be. We always love hearing from you. Take a survey at recode.net slash podcast survey. Up next is my favorite tech guru, Lauren Good of The Verge, here to explain what some of our listeners are not too embarrassed to ask about hoverboards. But first, a quick message from one of our sponsors. Today's Too Embarrassed to Ask is brought to you by Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Welcome, Lauren. Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good. How are you doing? Good. Really good. You look uninjured. What are we talking about today? And I asked that question because you look pretty good. Uh, We're talking about electric skateboards, hoverboards, whatever you want to call them, yeah. rideables. My, my kid wants so one. Alex names. wants one badly. Are you going to get one for him? I, he's making earning money to buy it himself. Oh, that's great. Yeah. How's he earning the money? Uh, taking out the trash, doing different things I ask him to do, things that's like good. that, like extra extra chores. Dividing up all the different recycling and compostables and all the yes, other bins exactly. you have in No, house. they're in D.C. They don't have to do that. But um, but they, but they he's doing all. He really wants one. He's really obsessed with them. I and mean, it seems like he's probably the, the target – Age yes, range ten year old, yeah, yeah, boy yeah. For this kind of thing. Yeah, now he's researching the legal issues around it because apparently I, I mentioned to him that there's some issues around that too. So. Well, yeah, and there are some potential fire hazards. All right, so explain, them too. T- explain what these are. Uh, so some people are calling them hoverboards. Though they're, they're not really not hoverboards. Right. If right. you were talking about a real hoverboard, it would be something that would involve. Earth magnets and right. superconductors. Yes, and my son knows all about this. The force of he, wants, gravity. he wants to put a, um, a, a metal floor in, our, in one of the houses to, to be able to do it. But you know, for some reason, I feel like if it's going to happen in any house, it's it going to happen in house in DC. But it's not. Yeah, happening. because I remember having a conversation with Megan not long ago about hoverboards. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I she, mean, she actually probably knows. She could probably make build one. one from right. Scratch. Absolutely. So, but these are not hoverboards. You're calling them rideables. No. Some people call them rideables. Some people call them electric skateboards. The idea is that these are motorized forms of transportation. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes having two wheels or maybe just one wheel, mm-hmm. and they're small enough. I mean, unlike a scooter or a moped or something like that, or a Segway, they're small enough that when you're done using them to commute, you pick them up and throw them in your bag right. or keep them by your desk at work. Or actually, it was kind of funny last night. I was coming home, and in my parking garage, there were two guys that were they were using one, and this guy rode his electric skateboard up to a car, popped open the trunk of the car, and threw it <laughs> in the trunk of his car, and I thought. We have a car, right? I mean, he must have ridden it about ten feet. Oh my! And God. then, and then he 
threw it in the car, and I thought yeah. that I mean that's like bringing a wine yeah, glass they're everywhere. to a bar. They're the, they like, were in the wait. airport. People were using them in the airport. I was noticing to get to their gates, which was really yeah. Mm-hmm. They're selling them at the airport. I bet this was at San Francisco airport. It was indeed. It was indeed. Of course it was. Yeah, so that's what these things are. It's not an entirely new idea. People have been motorizing skateboards in some ways Mm -hmm. for decades now. Um, But they've just really become But they face forward, right? They're not necessarily skateboards. Yeah, um, that's actually a great point. You're not, it's not elongated. You're not, right. right. Although there are motorized skateboards, which you also see in San Francisco. Yes, there are those as well. These are sort of Mm self-balancing. You teeter on them and you propel yourself forward by doing that right but they're not actually hoverboards even that's what people are calling you're them. not hovering above the earth or water so or super like popular this christmas yeah and i personally i've not ridden one yet really yeah why I, not i haven't had Lauren, the experience yet come on. i'm kind of holding off for ces really and you're just gonna ride around ces someone yeah well i, I yeah basically that's how that's how i want to get around and and the dangers of them um, there are some dangers of them. And we'll fact, talk about those. Yeah, I was going to say. So let's get to the, to the people who wrote in on Twitter. Yeah, we got a lot of responses okay. on this. Uh, people love this topic. Mm-hmm. From Matthew Miller, Matthew M. Space. Why are they getting so popular so fast? I have never heard or even saw one last year. Well, were you living under a rock, Matthew mm-hmm. Miller? Yes, he no, was. No, so Matthew has a point. Uh, there are a few reasons why maybe you've heard a lot about them this year. They were around last year, um, but it was probably a bit of a supply issue. They weren't really readily available. Um, are you, per, someone's periscoping over there. I'm sort of like, well, there's so much media going on right now. Um, they were also really expensive then. And you're, you're taking a picture Just of me right now. Along, Eric Lauren. is periscoping. I can't the, even. The, the, the okay, I'm podcasting. Of... It's so meta media right now. Okay, so they were also. They also used to be pretty expensive, and now you can find them for as little as a few hundred dollars. Um, they still go up to somewhere around $1,800 at the high end, mm-hmm. um, but they are becoming slightly more accessible. So that's probably why people have heard of them. But I think the biggest reason why you're starting to hear about them more this year than years prior mm-hmm. is that there have been some inadvertent and otherwise celebrity endorsements around Celebrity endorsements. So we've seen people, Justin Bieber has been seen riding one, Jamie Foxx, Jessica Alba's baby daddy, Cash Warren was seen riding one. Because if, if your name is Cash, then you, they are married. But, okay. if, but if your name is Cash, like you almost I know are well. obligated to. Um, sorry, Cash, Jessica, Mr. Alba. Um, you're almost. Oh. <laughs> you're almost obligated to anymore. use a hoverboard if your name is Cash yeah. because it's just you're cool. All right. Um, I think whoever Jennifer Lopez is married to now was right, seen riding married. one. You got to keep up on oh I'm not God. up on the celebrity news. Right. Uh, I'm a nerd. So, so people, so celebrities, you know, so everyone's yes. on them. And it was in the yeah. it was in Empire when they were going oh, to was? have a boardroom drama. Who the, wrote one? One of the kids wrote it. The, oh. the rapper kid. Oh, okay. Right He's them. cool. I like his character. Yeah, exactly. He wrote it into the board meeting. And then, of course, he got dashed. His hopes were dashed by his father. Uh, Lucius, whatever Lucius. Yeah, so these things are all in popular culture now, and I think that's why they're getting so... Okay, all right. So so next question from D-Man, Devin Lindelof. What is up with this fire hazard? What's the best brand to get? What's a good price for one? Oh, he crammed three questions into one tweet. All right. The fire one seems something you should answer. It is very important. There have been at least a couple of reports of these things catching fire. Uh, There was um, one family in Louisiana said that they believed that uh, an exploding hoverboard had a, caused a fire that destroyed their home. Mm-hmm. There was another report in London. Uh, a man in Alabama recorded a vi- video of his electric skateboard, hoverboard, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. is basically exploding under his feet. Mm, funny that he had a camera at the ready, but uh. 
Yeah. And well, like I said, these were reports. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we can't confirm whether or not right. this, these, this is actually, these are the cause. I think you should do a test of these fires, but are you trying to yes. harm me? Yes, I am. Just, Go ahead. Move along. Move along. Uh, yeah, and so there was a report actually that um, more than 17,000 hoverboards that were imported from outside of the European Union were examined by mm-hmm. the National Trading Standards, which is basically like the FTC over there, right. um, over the past week, and 15,000 of them. Yeah, because they're make getting the knockoffs in terms of, of quality. The, of the, it's like knockoffs. Yes. That's why. From well, a China lot of them are coming from Chinese manufacturers yeah. now. BuzzFeed did a really good story on this where um, they're just being mass produced and there's not a lot of quality control happening around them right now. So, who now. are the good ones? Because, yes, there's been a lot of. Crappy so versions. I, I really can't there say. There were a ton in New York this week, I noticed, on at the stores that are along 8th Avenue. When you a ton being sold? Or yeah, yeah, and they were all like names them. I've never heard. No, no, selling them at those stores. Oh. You know, those those quickie electronics. Stores. You know, there's no market leader right now, and so it's easy right, enough it for there like to be lots of There were questionable brands, let's mm-hmm. just say. Mm-hmm. So what are the good ones? Well, we can't say for sure what the good ones are because we have not tested the mm-hmm. latest crop of them over at The Verge. But there are some well-known or recognized brands. I'm not saying these are the best, but um, some of the well-known ones are Razor's Hover Tracks, the Ego from Unique, mm-hmm. uh, the Swagway. Doesn't Mark Cuban Z-Board own Pro. Some of the, one of them? Mark Cuban has a piece. I don't know. Does he? He does. I wouldn't be surprised. It's the leading one, I guess. So, again, Luke Grant, J. Luke Grant at J. Luke Grant says, aren't these things dangerous? A friend of mine recently broke his arm on one. I I would say, I mean, they're they're as dangerous as getting on a skateboard if you don't know what you're doing. Aside from the fire hazard, the reports that we're seeing around fire hazards, um, if you're going to get on one and you're getting on some type of motorized moving thing without any kind of... Cars are dangerous. Lots of things are dangerous. Cars are dangerous. Scooters are dangerous. There's not much you can do for safety there, too, except wear a helmet, right? And padding. Yeah, and padding, just like you went on a skateboard. Not bang into a wall. Mm -hmm. Did you see Paul Blart, Mall Cop, part two? I actually, I saw the He's first on a one. Segue. It's really funny. I really love those movies. I hate to say that I do, but I do. Um, I should have got, put a segue on your list of holiday gifts. It, it's true. I, I have written a segue. I don't like segue. I think you look like an idiot writing them. All right, Jay Smith at Penkowski. It sounds like John Patchkowski, but all right. Why aren't you allowed to test drive them in the mall? Very indignant. Well, this is probably for safety and liability reasons. Yeah. You, you also can't ride your bicycle or right. ride a skateboard through the mall. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure if you go into a store and you say, I want to test one, the first thing they're thinking is this person's going to hurt themselves. Sign, yes, right, in their store. Or just, yes. r- just ride away into and the And they've sunset. been banned, right, in certain cities? In uh, Seattle and New York, they've been banned on sidewalks. Right, um, they're motorized. And I'm sure we'll see more regulations yeah, yeah, popping definitely. up around these. They should do bumps on those sidewalks. Mm-hmm. There's like, people. On, I got almost banged into one. Someone was doing one on the side. Yeah. Here. There are also rules around what you can do with it when you try to carry it on an airplane. Oh. Each airline is establishing different rules because it is small enough for it to be considered yeah, a carry-on. On but yeah, it's motorized. It's, it's weird. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you have a reason for it, you, yeah. know, some t- you claim some type of... There's no I reason. Don't know. I don't know. It's like people saying that they have pets on board for anxiety. Yeah. And it's like, you know... Do you- Lauren, we're moving into a society that needs, needs big <laughs> fixing. All right. <laughs> Vincente Di Pirello... At VDP or whatever. Okay. Uh, they're not hoverboards. How? However, my question would be, would you ride on one, Lauren and Kara? Yes, I would. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once my kid gets it, I'm going to ride it. I'm a little torn because I like getting my step count up during right. CES yes, and wearing true. lots of wearables on my wrist and, yeah. and feeling, you know. It is kind of lazy making, isn't it? But now I, I might just like use Because you get one. fatter as you ride it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not very good that way. Yeah. 
So yeah, you're right. I just would do it for fun. I think fun is yeah, really just for fun. Yeah, but then I get bored as I do with most things. All right, last question from Connor Doherty, and he was Our a New York Connor. Times reporter, by the way. Yes, I used to work. I with love Connor that the New York the Times reporters are giving us questions. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Connor, uh, they are satanic and bad, and they are giving actual skateboarders a bad name. I hate them. Connor is. Uh, a skater. He's a yes. skateboarder yeah. himself. What's that called? A ripper or a shredder or whatever? I don't know. I think whatever. you're making up words I am right now. Words. <laughs> I think maybe a shredder. Yeah, I don't know. But he, but he is. He's really into it, and I can see why a purist like Connor would find these things to be blasphemous. But why are they blasphemous? Because why? they're they're electric. Care? They're motorized skateboards. It's like bikers getting mad at cars. Connor's a I mean, cool come dude on. who propels himself around on his skateboard. Right, right, he right. Doesn't, he doesn't need no stinking motor. Does he use a scooter? Like those are other. What are the scooter people? I don't know. We'll have to ask to weigh Connor. in the scooter. People. I'm just having. I'm just. There's imagining. motorized scooters too. Those oh, little, there are the little. Then yes. there's the ones that you just push with your foot. Oh, Ben Popper reviewed this. Uh, this one. I forget the name of it, but we called it the ultimate hipster dad chariot. He reviewed this cool little scooter <laughs> and rode it around Brooklyn. And yeah. We just ran something yeah, out on the thing verge. You do in it's Brooklyn, pretty funny. Isn't it? It's a thing you do. It had Brooklyn. a little basket so you could oh like, you know, put some gro- some some leafy green kale or like a baby in it. Demanning you forever, right? <laughs> the kale and a basket on a scooter. You can only live in Williamsburg then, right? That's the only place. Some part of, actually further out now probably. Yeah. But wow. yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Wow. Uh, but no, these so are you feel good about these things. You feel like they're good products. I, I, I am undecided. I think the jury is still out on this one. I would like to give some of them a try. Yeah. Uh, and I would like to see. I mean, I I don't know. I believe that if you can walk somewhere, if you are able to. Some yeah. people are not physically able yeah. to, and I completely understand that. But if you are able to walk somewhere, well, well these you have walk, to be kind of fit to be mall, on, right? You have to be walk around the sidewalk. Yeah. You have to be kind of fit to be on them. You can't be, like, out of shape to be on these things either. You have to just kind of have balance no you do have to have balance and you do have to sort of propel yourself forward but Mm -hmm. um but it's really interesting too to see that they're they're popping up in urban areas where arguably we have some of the best public transit systems like you already have these great public transit systems and people are like and people have bikes and everything and they're like how could i make this even more self-serving and lazy yeah yeah well Uh, and then have food served to you while you're riding right we need an uber that approaches you (laughs) on your electric skateboard with food food and kittens as you're riding around commuting to work so, uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Trump. Anyway, um, <laughs> meanwhile. I would pay to see Donald Trump teetering around on one oh, of these I'd things. I'd pay to see him fall off it. So anyway, um, anyway, Lauren, as usual, thank you so much. And again, the hoverboards, they cost how much? Uh, they range from 300 to around uh, I've seen 1500 I've seen 1800 Great. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Thank Lauren. you, Kara. Good. See you next week. We all want to hear what all of you may be too embarrassed to ask about. Please tweet me at Kara Swisher, Lauren at at Lauren Good. That's good with an E at the end of it or at Recode with your burning text questions. If you want to hashtag it, use hashtag T-E-T-A. That's T-E-T-A, too embarrassed to ask. And thanks to you for listening. It's been another episode of Recode Decode. We have two new episodes every week. On Thursday, Recode senior media editor Peter Kafka will be talking to the NFL's digital mastermind, Brian Rolap. And next week, Recode senior commerce editor Jason Del Rey will be talking to Mark Lore, the CEO of wannabe Costco and Amazon killer Jet.com. Tune in then. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. 
For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes. Featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay.